Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Help Me Buy Property podcast. This is our episode number one, and this is a general introduction about who I am, what this podcast is about, and who this podcast is for. Now, the podcast is the legacy of teaching as many people as possible contemporary ways of property investing, transitioning their life from a mediocre investor to a high net worth investor, and doing all of this without sacrificing lifestyle. For those who don't know me, let me introduce myself. I'm Moxin Reza, you can call me Moss, an everyday person, a father of two beautiful boys, a dedicated husband, and a serial investor. I'm also a data scientist turned entrepreneur, and I'm living a retired life. And so retirement for me is loving what you do. I run a property investment firm, and there is an ecosystem or a one-stop shop, which is developed for property investors, which helps create sustainable property portfolios without sacrificing lifestyle. Now, I say this in all honesty that it is truly an ecosystem because we do everything from in-depth property strategies to buyers agencies to full-scale developments, renovations, splitters, co-living spaces, rooming houses, tax agents, SMSF, and business structures advisory. So we have small teams placed all across Australia, and presently we have a largest direct-to-vendor network than any other buyers agents out there. Now, a lot about us. Uh, let's talk about the podcast itself. Now, a lot of my friends and family and clients have been asking me to be a bit more open and share my experiences more openly. So the podcast is a natural extension of me leaving a legacy behind for helping as many people transform their lives from being a mediocre investor to being a high net worth investor. And so this would be followed by my book, which will be coming very soon, I promise. And so there's a cheeky reveal of the title of the book and the, the name of the book is called Homeless Millionaire. And it's a story about me. It's a story about things that you should not be doing in property investing. Now, everyone talks about what to do in property investing, where to buy, but no one really talks about how to navigate through some of the potholes. And so the book is a summary of all the fuck-ups that I've done and the things that you should avoid and how have I turned my life around and how you can do it too. Back to the podcast again. So it's all about assisting people how to improve their lifestyle while they're building their property portfolio. It's about doing it safely and securely while taking calculated risks. It's also about sharing the, the fuck-ups, the experiences that we have all done in our life and how to avoid them. It's also about navigating the upwards and the downward trends of the markets and the crappy economic environment that we are in right now. You hear people talk about we are going into recession, but let me tell you that this recession is an opportunity. This recession is a wealth shift from poor to the rich. It's times like these, whether you talk about COVID, pre-GFC, post-GFC, it's times like these where I personally have made my best money. We'll be talking about contemporary ways of property investing, like how to beat the bank at their own game, using trusts, how to manufacture equity, how to create strategies, how to pick suburbs, and how to know the suburbs where the prices are about to adjust. Understanding the risks of over-investing, under-investing, also about property developments, how to transition into running a full-scale property portfolio or property business. Um, how to 
do better tax planning, how to pick properties for property developments. So we are going to shed light on successful and non-successful projects that I've been part of or that I've run for myself. And uh, we'll be talking about things again, not to do. We'll be sharing live deals, deals that we are working on. We'll discuss about how we found them. How are we analyzing these deals? You know, uh, what are the fuck-ups that we expect from the deals? What are the things that the deals are getting us? And what are the benefits or the profits or the return on investment that we are making on these deals? Now, we would also be opening floors for questions on our Facebook group. So please do join in to our Facebook community. It's called Property Investment Australia, where we have a lot of our clients there who are at various stages in their property investment life cycle. So this is a journey of us learning and growing together. We'll be bringing in some super cool guests especially those who I classify as my mentors, my friends, even my clients, sharing their stories as how they have turned their lives around using these contemporary methods. Now, don't think that this podcast is going to be a monologue, boring podcast. I do have a co-host, a lazy co-host who didn't turn up today, a very naturally curious person who can ask loads of painful questions and can drive me insane. So a really good friend of mine and the best closer in the world. And so it is a big reveal and I'll let that person do that reveal in the next episode. Now, who is this podcast not for? So this podcast is not for people who don't share the same love of property investing or who are not passionate enough to create wealth through property as myself, or or maybe not as crazy as me, but who are not passionate Uh, in property investing. It's not for people who are fig jams. And if you don't know what a fig jam is, uh, please jump on Google and search fig jam acronym and you would exactly know what that means. So it's not for people who are, you know, trying to find their first home to live in, who are emotional, emotionally driven. It's not for people who are risk givers, um, who wants to spend their life paying for a single house and then treat that single property as their retirement home. It's for people who are ready to take calculated risks and who wants to move their life forward, who wants to transition their life into an experienced property investor or a high net worth investor. Now, back to my own life. So I was not always a successful investor or a successful entrepreneur, okay? As a young boy, I was super shy. I was very curious, very chubby, but a big nerd. So I used to always say this that, I'm a nerd today, but I'll be filthy rich tomorrow. So, of course, my life was not always this rosy. And as a young nerd boy who came to Australia doing an undergrad at 18, doing three jobs, you know, saving like crazy at the start of my property investment journey. Now, it was early 20s that I bought my first properties. I'm turning 35 now. So 14 years of nearly 14 years of hardcore investing and making mistakes and learning from it and rising from the dead is what have made me today. I was truly fearless when others were fearful. Now, of course, there were times where I felt stuck. This repeating pattern of you know working paycheck to paycheck, not being able to multiply your income, seeing the money slip away from your hands, and you know while you're trying to clench to your portfolio. Of course, a lot of people have felt that stuck feeling, and I always knew that there would be a better way, or there must be a better way to do it. And so the idea was never to get paper rich, but the idea was to become cash rich. And touch wood, I can finally say that I I have done it now. 
I can safely say that, you know, we have created that recipe. And so this podcast is for those who wants to taste this new cuisine and they should definitely tune in and, you know, listen to, listen to more episodes coming through where we would be discussing that recipe with people. Now, I have rented for a very, very long time. And for people who know me and understand the culture that I'm coming from, owning a house to live in is a big thing. And so if you don't hold a house to live in, uh, you are almost cutting your cultural ties and you're literally looked down upon. And so that book, Homeless Millionaire, basically talks about a lot of these things and how rent wasting can assist you in channeling you on putting your portfolio on steroids and making a person successful in their property investment journey. Now, let me share this story with you. I still remember there was this one time where an aunt of mine came to my place and, uh, you know, we, have a, we had a small get together and a small party. And she asked my wife, um, are you guys renting? You're not, no, this is not your place. And I could see that my wife was super embarrassed answering that question. Now, while she was leaving the party, you know, she made the prayer and she said, hey, may Allah give you enough money to buy your own home. And, you know, I could see my wife being almost teary. And here I was in the background thinking like, you know, bloody hell, if I could show her my balance sheet as to what I'm worth today, she would probably ask, you know, my son's hand to marry her granddaughter when they grow up, you know. So, and so that is the real tension that you are distancing yourself from, especially, you know, where I was versus where I am now managing, you know, or, or owning 16 million worth of projects. So, I could swear that a lot of millionaires in property game, they don't realize actually that they are millionaires because they're in so much debt and this continuous effort and this feeling of stuck basically keeps them there. It's only when they start becoming a bit more proactive and start thinking more strategically is when they realize that there is a lot of buffer that they can play with and there are ways to unlock equity that no one has ever showed them before. Now, so... Owning my own house was actually a lot of fun too. I still remember moving back to Melbourne from Sydney. I've lived in Sydney for three and a half years and I moved back to Melbourne around 2017. So after 17 years of hardcore investing, I actually bought a house to live in. Now, I was driving down the street. I still remember it was one of those pockets where my kids were about to go to school and uh, this old house, old scruffy house with good bones, and I asked the agent to look at the floor plan. The house was super, super, super smelly. And so you have to literally hold your breath as you're walking through the house. So I did a quick walkthrough of the house, came back out, and I asked the agent, what is the asking on the property? And he said $580,000. I made a small offer on a small piece of paper to him. He looked at the offer. He read it out loud, $490,000. He laughed at me and literally asked me to shoe off. Two days later, he calls me saying that the house on the same street has sold, another house has sold for about $570,000. Now, could I make a better offer? I made a final walkaway offer at five twenty, and another three days later, I ended up acquiring that property. Now, I haven't told anyone that I've bought this property. I took my parents, my wife, my kids to show them the property. That's what I always do. And their literal words were, who's going to live in this dump? Now, I told them that I'm going to flip this property, you know, the median suburb price at that property in that market 
right then was around $680,000. So there was a lot of meat that I could play with. And so, you know, I brought my contractors in, spent about one month and $40,000, got the house revalued in literally two months time at about $680,000. Now, as I was about to stage the house to flip it, I thought I'll show it to my family again. So I took my wife and my parents there to show them the house. And now I can't get them out of there because they fall in love with the house. The house present valuation is sitting close to a million dollars. So I always say to people, find the houses in the areas, the areas which are old and where the markets are matured and super gentrified. So there's not a lot of newer, brand new stock coming in those areas. So if you find an old house, make it bigger, change the configuration, you can charge a lot more for that house. Now, what people don't understand is this. When people are buying properties, they don't have $314,000 money for renovation. So, and they don't have the time to go through that exercise of renovation. So they would not buy a house for $600,000, spend $200,000 to get a million dollar valuation, but they would still buy a million dollar house in that same suburb because they have $200,000, which is enough for their deposit. Now, this is the game of solving problems. So property investing is all about solving problems. That's how I see it. And so the bigger problems you solve, the more money you can charge. Now, I'll close off this conversation with seven key points and just a takeaway from the conversation that we have had today. And these key points are in no way, shape, in a particular order, but these seven key points are things that you should or should not do, okay? So number one, don't buy the best house in the best street in the best suburb. Buy the worst house in the best street in the best suburb. You would have heard about this thousands of times as to why you should do that. The important thing is this. You would buy this because on point number two, you should use the equity or the money that you've made on, say, investing on the other side and manufacture your own equity in the process with that house that you are buying. Point number three. Don't be at the mercy of emotions when you're buying some of these properties. Even for a principal place of residence, don't be at the mercy of emotions. Use emotions to enjoy and not dominate your decision-making. Number four, always trust the numbers and data. Evidence-based investing is the key. If your numbers don't work, then this is not a good buy, okay? It's always important to trust the numbers, trust the data, and focus on invest evidence-based investing. Number five, do not ever overcapitalize the property purchase. So majority of the times people overcapitalize because they see themselves living there. Especially when you're buying investment properties or if you're buying a, even a principal place of residence which is not a forever, forever home, think about what the next person is going to pay for this and what are the key areas in the house that really need to be upgraded. You don't have to go all in and spend $400,000 on the house you just need to put enough to get the right valuations and sell or flip that property at the right premium amount of money. Number six, have multiple exit strategies with any property acquisition that you're going to do. Okay, so it's very, very important. Even with renovation jobs, it's important to have multiple exit strategies for every property. And last but not the least, please do not make lifestyle choices in a high market. Uh, so a high market is a market where the market is going up. It's a seller's market. You know, sellers are getting what they're asking for, or even most of the times they're getting more than what they're asking for. Don't make lifestyle choices in these markets. 
lifestyle choices are for the markets where the market is low, the market is down. You know, it's a lot of economic factors playing against you. Those are the times where you should be making lifestyle choices in all honesty and all truth because you can bargain, you can get a great deal, and you can create instant equity even from a principal place of residence. Now, lastly, in a market like today, especially where we are talking about interest rate rises coming through one after another, we are talking about December interest rate rise at 0.25%, I always counsel people to follow an offset strategy. Now, this is because people who are predominantly property investors they feel what I call a poor property syndrome or feel poor syndrome. A feel poor syndrome is all about people reading about markets contracting through the media absorption and they start thinking poor, but they're not in fact poor. They still hold a property that is still worth the same amount of money. It's just because people's willingness to pay at that particular time because of high interest rate rises has changed. And that change does not necessarily mean that the asset is devalued. It just means that the vendors are not ready to sell at that price. And so in some of these mature markets, what you would see is the vendors do not sell. And so there is a lot less stock in the market. And those people who are selling are the people who are super desperate. So it's, it's not really you being poor. It's you feeling poor. And so offset strategy is a perfect strategy to play when the interest rates are rising. And we'll talk about offset strategy in our coming episodes. So please do tune in. Now, thank you for listening to me today. Peace out. I hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe, keep smiling, be kind, and continue investing. Goodbye, adios, au revoir, khuda hafiz, and fi'amanallah. This is Moss checking out. <laughs>